Hello, everybody. We're glad you're with us in Big Pine, uh, Key West, Williston, on the Internet, wherever you happen to be spending this time with us. We're happy to have it uh, and uh, that we're all able to spend it together. We are starting a brand new Bible study series today. And uh, it's called the New Testament verse by verse. (laughs) So... We're going to start in Matthew chapter 1. I don't know how long we'll stay in it, but I did some research, and I was figuring this out as I plotted this thing. If I do a chapter a week, if we do a chapter a week together, it'll take us five years to get through the New Testament. So I don't know if you'll stay with me that long, but we'll see. We'll do it until nobody shows up anymore, and then I'll change topic or something. And then if it goes well, we'll do the Old Testament. That'll take another 15 years, a chapter at a time. So listen, I was thinking, so I was praying, this is the way I get sometimes, 20 years to get through a chapter at a time. That's pretty cool. So I said to God, I'm 48 now. I said, all right, God, I'd like to do that twice. (laughs) I didn't get a yes or a no. I was just tossing it out there. You know how our plans and his plans are. So... We're going to start, uh, and we'll see how, how, uh, how you take to it and where it goes. But we, we, in our last study, we laid down a great foundation for understanding the Bible. And it, as I started to pray, this is sort of the direction I got. Well, let's go back, and then we'll start really digging into it and uh, taking a look at it and uh, making sure we're not missing anything and see if any questions uh, arise. And um, um, what I would like to do, if you can, is since we're just doing a chapter at a time, you'll know where we're going to be. So, start reading ahead a little bit, and any questions that you have, write them down and give them to me before I get to that chapter. You know what I mean? It's, it's going to be easier for me, because some of them I may not have an immediate answer for. And, and uh, you know, I'll always make up one, but... Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. I realize that's on tape, and people listen to that, and if they don't know me, they might think, what? Um, no, I won't. But if I have a little chance to make sure that I have the answer for you, we can start answering questions. And if you think of a question and you want, I can go back to it from the previous weeks. Just start, and, and, uh, and we might even uh, put something in so you can actually have a place to leave questions. Uh, in fact, on the video right now, Georgina, remind me this week to add something into these handouts that people can write their questions down and give them to me so that we can answer them in the weeks ahead. So we'll start, and we'll see how it goes. And uh, see if you enjoy it. Uh, I like reading the text this way and looking into it and uh, finding out what it's all about. So uh, if that's something you'd enjoy, then I'd encourage you to uh, to get involved and to read a little bit. I don't think I need those. Let's see. I don't think I do. I think I can make it. I can't read it out of the notes, but I can uh, I can read it. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter one. I'm using uh, this week as our, our text, uh, the translation, I'm using the New King James Version. I uh, change translations from time to time. I like the way they read. Uh, um, let's uh, start as we even start the, the study with a little talk about Bible translation. There are uh, currently available a lot of different translations, and there's also a lot of paraphrases available. They're different. Um, a translation means that they take it the best that they can from the original languages and um, give it to us as, as, uh, in as an accurate way as they possibly can. Now, understand that anything short of the original Greek that it was written in or Hebrew 
uh, or Aramaic, um, you're going to get whoever translates it's slant. You can't help it. It's, it's part of the deal. So we, we end up with some of that in the mix. But we do know that uh, by comparing the oldest text that we have, that the Bible that we have today uh, is 95% plus reliable um, based on the older uh, manuscripts that we have. They've really done a good job in uh, keeping it intact for us and translating it so we can depend on it as the infallible true word of God, which is how we treat it. And we believe in the Bible. Um, we believe that uh, it's not a bunch of uh, uh, figurative stories, but these are literal events that take place and that uh, the Bible is true and useful in our everyday um, lives and something that all believers should know, that all of us should uh, understand the Bible because the Bible gives us direction and insight. So there are um, translations and paraphrases. Translations are better uh, and and should be used for areas of, of doctrinal study. Paraphrases are, um, they take the original language and then they sort of totally change it into our idiom of today so that we can read it easier. The Message Bible is a paraphrase. I like the Message Bible, but because of it, the fact that it's a paraphrase, it's not to be used for uh, doctrinal study. It's more about just reading it so you can read it and sort of hear some things that are happening. But you always want to get back to the closest you can to the original text. Um, the New King James Version does a good job of getting us back there. I like the NIV too, but the two take from slightly different sources, and there's a lot of discussion about... Um, where that uh, works out, I, I think they're both pretty good. But for now and for today, and I don't know how much longer in this study, I figured I'd use the New King James for a while. I've been using the NIV for a long time. I go back and forth. Uh, and so I kind of I dug out my New King James Bible. It's fun. Um, I don't know how many Bibles you have, but I have a few Bibles. And I, I generally, especially in the Bibles that I study from, I scribble in them. I write a lot of notes. And this one is filled with stuff that I wrote in there. Over time, it's kind of fun to go back and go, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if you ever do that, but I encourage it. So uh, that's what we're going to do for this study. And let's hop right in. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 1. And let me, uh, let me read Matthew chapter 1 for you. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadab, Aminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon, Salmon, that's a funny name for a kid, huh? Salmon, it's probably more like it. But it looks like salmon, so that's what you got. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon begot Rehoboam. Rehoboam begot Abijah, and Abijah got Asa. Asa begot Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat begot Joram, and Joram begot Uzziah. Uzziah begot Jotham. Jotham begot Ahaz, and Ahaz begot Hezekiah. There's a lot of begotting here, isn't there? Hezekiah begot Manasseh, 
Manasseh begot Ammon, and Ammon begot Josiah. In fact, I don't think I've ever said begot that many times in public, ever. Josiah begot Jeconiah and his brothers about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Shealtiel, and Shealtiel begot Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel begot Abiud, Abiud begot Eliakim, and Eliakim begot Azor. Azor begot Zadok, Zadok begot Achim, and Achim begot Eliud. Eliud begot Eleazar, Eleazar begot Mathan, and Mathan begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David into captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. And from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ are 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ, verse 18, was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, I bet you'd like to read that, being just a man, some of you. <laughs> just, just a man. And not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Okay, so the big introduction of the New Testament, Jesus enters onto the scene. And I like the verse, and you shall call his name Jesus. And, and in this chapter, we, we have Jesus entering the world, and that's called the Incarnation. The Incarnation. I hope too, as, you, as you've been, if you've been following along in our studies over the last year, uh, all of a sudden some of the events that you read about in Matthew 1, you understand, because we've been talking about them. He's called Son of David. Why? He's in the line of David. You get to see it played out before you. We talked about uh, the, the, how the betrothal process takes place back in the day and what that looked like. And, and, and so you begin to see some of the elements of what we talked about coming into place as we look at the Scripture. Uh, but today I want to talk uh, for a few moments about the Incarnation and, and why that's important and what that's all about. To the Incarnation, what, what that means is that the eternal God... Uh, ultimately took on a body of flesh. He became flesh. John 1.1, 1, 1, uh, and you may want to write that down, because I left you a big spot there for your notes. You can go and look at these verses later. John 1.1 1, 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, we talked about in our last study how God created uh, and upholds from His throne through His eternal Word, His Son, Jesus. We saw how, those, uh, how He fit together in that process. Well, well, God comes, and uh, he, he is still fully God, but He's also fully man. Philippians 2, 6 through 11 says, Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, 
made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on the earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus came, incarnate God. Why? There's some reasons why He came. And we, we've studied it and we understand the plan of redemption now and how God put it into place. But there are some other things that take place with Jesus breaking on the scene. One of them is this, that, that God wanted to show us who He is. Um, people, and you will get this one right away, develop really strange ideas about who God is. Don't they? Have you ever heard people start trying to describe God to you and what they think and who they think God is? And oftentimes, because people begin to formulate ideas about God by what they observe in nature, they get some pretty bad ideas. Why? Well, we looked at that. Because the planet's not the way God created it any longer. It's broken. It's fallen. And so when you take your cues from nature, for God, it's going to be skewed. It can't be right because the planet's got sin in it now. And so while it might give us some ideas about uh, the goodness of God, it's not a great representation of him. And a lot of people go there. And so Jesus came, God incarnate, so that we could know who God is. So that, that we would have an idea of what God is like in the process, so, so that we had a model, we had an understanding, so that we wouldn't con- keep making these weird ideas. Although people still do, when they deny Christ, they come up with all sorts of ideas about who God is. And I'm sure you know people that have some very fascinating sort of layouts for how they, they think God operates, based on absolutely nothing. Uh, and yet, that people take these things on, and it becomes very real to them. So, he, he became flesh to show us who he is. He also did it so he could identify with us. Otherwise, the question becomes, how can a God who sits on a throne surrounded by angels know what it could possibly, how could he possibly know what it's like to be me and to go through what I go through? How could he know? How could he, have, how could he relate to me at all? And yet, Jesus came. And fully man, fully God went through what we go through. He experienced what we experience. He experienced the full range of life that we experience. The ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, the good and the bad. He was even tempted, yet without sin. He never gave in. But He understands what it is to be us. See, we we don't have a God who can't relate to us. We have a God who can absolutely relate to us because He came and and lived among us. That, That we could perfectly relate to Him and now He can perfectly intercede on our behalf. He knows what it's like to be tired. He knows what it's like to, to go through the things that we go through. He knows frustration. He knows anger. He knows... He knows. And so he, he came so that he could do that. He also came to model humanity as he intended it to be. 
to, to demonstrate the potential of life lived according to his plan and his purpose and in fellowship with him. See, he, he, he came to show us how it's all supposed to fit together, how it's all supposed to work. See, look, think about this for a while. Jesus came and he provided the missing link for us about how we connect to God. When you take Jesus out of the equation, you know how you try and link back? You try and do it through the animals because you, you can't figure it out otherwise. Where do you think all this stuff comes from? See, people are always looking for the missing link. They need to find Jesus. He's the link back to God. And, and when you sort of get a hold of that, it makes complete sense as to why he had to come. So that we wouldn't keep groping around in the dark to find a, how do we connect to God? How, how do we, how, we don't get it, we can't see, we're so finite. Jesus came so that we could see. And he modeled humanity as God always intended it to be different than the rest of the world. Different than the rest of creation. You've read the creation account. Uh, we, we talked about the creation account. You can see that we were set apart and made different than the rest of God's creation. We were put in charge of it. We were to oversee it. We, we weren't like it in, in that respect. We were created in the image of God. And so he came so that we would catch the link and we would see. He provides for us that missing link. So we don't try and relate back to animals, but we relate back to God. Isn't it... I mean, isn't it better to relate back to God than, than to monkeys? Seriously. I'm not, I'm not picking on the whole deal, but, but when you think about it, uh, it's, it's a much better process. And, and it's the process that God gave us. And, and he came to demonstrate that that's what it's all about. So that's why he came. That's, that's why he took on flesh, why Jesus is incarnate. Now, let's talk just for a moment about his name about the name Jesus. Um, Jesus was actually a pretty common Hebrew name. And uh, in, in Hebrew, it uh, ultimately ended up the name was Joshua. You, you, you hear about it. You hear about the name in the Old Testament all the time. Um, Hosea comes from the same word. Uh, and, and Joshua, the first Joshua uh, that most people relate to, was a, was a, was a leader. And a warrior. And then another Joshua in the, in the text is, uh, is one of the priests or Levites who rebuilt uh, uh, the, the walls after the Babylonian exile. And so we get something in the context of the name uh, that they would connect to in Jesus about a uh, warrior leader who was also a rebuilder and priest. Which uh, pretty well defines the ministries of Jesus and, and how that works. But uh, the word in the Hebrew is Yeshua, um, which is a breakdown of two words, Yahweh and Shua, which means God, our salvation. And and so um, this is the name that expresses best the mission of Christ. Luke uh, 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke 19.10. And John 3.17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through Him might be saved. Jesus comes onto the scene in Matthew chapter 1. Why did He come? So that we could understand a little bit better what God is like. He came so that we would know that He can relate to us 
Because He's experienced the things that we experience. He knows. So that we can go to Him. Not thinking He's off. So many people have this picture of God. Of being so far apart from us. And having no comprehension of what it's like to be us. And all of those sort of thoughts have led us uh, as a society to become more and more secularized. Um, when you hear that, that term, we, we throw it around now almost as a good thing. You know, we secularize things. And what it means to secularize something is that you take God out of it. And, and so now we have this secularized culture where, where God, we allow God into our Sundays. Not this particular group, because you're here on Wednesday too. But, but, uh, but, but we sort of relegate Him to a place of, you know, we'll want you involved on Sundays, but not during the rest of the week. And, and see, that's not how it works. Um, and even in our own thinking, we have to all the time sort of question. Like we, I think over time we take on ideas. Um, we take on the idea that there's, there's secular jobs and then there's, there's um, jobs that Christians have, or Christian jobs, ministry jobs. Ever, ever have that thought? Oh, I work a, I hear all the time, well, I work, you know, I work in a, in a secular job. And here's the deal. Here's what I think. If you're a Christian... And you work, you got a Christian job. Why? Well, it's part of your ministry. It's part of what you do. It has as many opportunities as anywhere else. In fact, when you get right down to it, when you work outside of the Christian environment, so to speak, you have way more opportunities to, to be a witness and to demonstrate and to act in the love of God than you do if you're sitting in here. Um, it, it's... There, there, we, we tend to sort of put these labels on things. But if, if you're working wherever you work you're, and you do it for the Lord, you've got yourself a ministry and a, and a nice Christian job. Uh, and uh, it may not be the, the exact environment, but you, your presence is impacting the environment. I believe that to be absolutely true. That, that when you go, because I didn't always work in the... I had lots of jobs outside of the church. Lots of them. And, and it was my experience in those jobs that over time, as bad as some of those jobs were, that in every case, there was somebody that God put in my path that I got to minister to at some level. And, and you know, I build friendships and do kind things and see where the opportunities were, but in every case. And it was funny, I, I went through a, uh, in, in my own life, when I first came to know Christ, I used to run nightclubs. That's what I did. Uh, I attended bar and ran nightclubs. Uh, attending bar was probably the best practice I could have got for the ministry. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of the similar stuff. People have questions and you do your best. And why anybody would go to a bartender and ask, I have no idea. Nobody should ever come to me for advice, but they used to. Anyway. Um, uh, once I came to Christ, that began to change, and I, I changed vocations. But I, I wasn't ready. I, I always I felt very quickly after I got uh, saved that, that uh, I would end up doing what I'm doing right now. But I, I couldn't go from there to here. Um, there was a process. And I had to go and get my education, and I had to do a lot of things, and I began to work on that. At the same time, I was uh, 25 when I embarked on that. I already had a wife, and, and, uh, um, and we were getting ready to have children. And the kids came along, so I had to have a job to provide for my family. And so I always worked a job, sometimes two jobs, and uh, began to tackle my education. I had to go back to school. I had three years of college to finish, and uh, I did my college late at night. That was before we had computers. 
And, uh, and I would sit at my table and spread my stuff out and get to work about midnight and work till 3 or 4 in the morning and plugged along until I finished. Uh, but in that process, it took about five years, um, I had a lot of different jobs. And, and uh, it was funny because I would know a job was coming to an end because I'd, I'd get somebody and, and get re- lots of opportunities to minister to them and see them change and generally get them into the church and just about then that job would be over. And I used to chuckle because I'd think right after someone got going and moving in the right direction, came to Christ, I'm like, okay, this job's over. <laughs> and sure enough, it'd be, you know, yeah, okay, we're going to have to let you go. Ah, all right, fine. And uh, God would open up another door and I'd step into another job. You know, he was so faithful in that time. You know, I, I know people go through things. Uh, in that five-year period, uh, I, I had, um, I think I had five, six jobs. But every one of them I went to the day after the other one wasn't there anymore. Um, it was just an amazing thing how God kept moving me into those situations. Now, some of them weren't very good jobs. I've told you that story, right? Now, some people I probably haven't told you, but I shouldn't say that because now, quickly tell the story. In that process, there was one never I put on there. This is how you learn with God. God, I'll do anything but. Ah, that'll get you in trouble. I'll do any job, God, but. I don't want to install fiberglass insulation. I, why I picked that out of the sky, because I, I, I hadn't, I hated it. I'd never done it professionally, but I'd done it. And I'd worked construction. And I don't want to tie steel. Because I'd worked on the bridges when I first moved down here, and it hurt my hands. I hurt, they still hurt from that process. I said, God, those are the only things I don't want to do. And uh, anything else. And so I was looking for a job, and, and uh, sure enough, the job that showed up was selling fiberglass insulation. Only job I could find. It was the only job in town at the time. And so I said, I'll, I'll, I'll take the job. I don't, have to, I don't have to touch it, right? No, you just go around to jobs and sell it. All right, I can do that. And uh, within two weeks, all the installers had quit. And the guy came to me and said, you're going to have to install it. And it was worse than, because it actually blew in out of this hose. And you had to go into attics, suited up with completely covered. And it was hot. And, and uh, so I did that. And then I thought, well, this is pretty bad, but... Seriously, within a week of that, uh, the guy said, I don't have any more fiberglass work for you. and We have no jobs coming up. Um, I'm building a house over here. I need you to go tie the steel and the tie beam. Seriously. So I went. I, had to, <laughs> I was really out of options. And I was sitting up on this tie beam, tying the steel in this. In this <laughs> and my hands were aching. And I was tying the steel. And I finally got it. You ever take it? I'm a little slow sometimes. And I remember leaning back on the tie beam and I started laughing. And I said, okay, whatever you want. I'll do whatever you want. And uh, sort of connected there. And literally in a week, another door had opened up and I was back into a nice air-conditioned office. And uh, I was like, thank you. <laughs> um, and I'm way off track here and I don't even know how I got to this point. Because I don't know where the bunny trail started and I have no idea how to get back. To the message, we were talking about all jobs are Christian. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> I think there'll be a lot of these things in this particular study over the next week. So, uh, having said all that, um, Jesus came. That's where we're at. We'll pick it up next week, and we'll we'll begin to talk about. <laughs> How the process continues. And hopefully you'll see how it all ties into the plan of redemption 
that we understand now, or at least have looked into, and, and we can see his impact and what he's done. But remember, those, those are the big things to remember from chapter 1. The incarnation of Christ, why he came, to show us who he is, to identify with us, and to model humanity. He provides that link for us back to God. And that Jesus means uh, God our salvation. And that he's the one who saves, and that was his mission when he came, to seek and to save that which was lost, which is exactly what was happening in, and why our need of redemption that we've talked about was there. Okay, so that's Matthew chapter 1. You are all completely certified as scholars on Matthew chapter 1. Pass me up your prayer requests. I will pray for you. If you are uh, watching on the video somewhere, they will pray for you at any of the venues. If you need prayer, on the, just uh, email us or call us. Let us know on the Internet. And uh, thanks for watching.